Down to the Wire with your host, Parker Shoemaker. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me on this week's edition of Down to the Wire. And we got a lot to talk about. Missed talking to you guys last week as I was on spring break, but I'm back. And man, oh man, do we have so much to talk about. First off, I mean, we're going to get into our normal, we're going to go back into our normal rotation and we're going to get into our starting five. And the first thing we got to talk about is those Cleveland Browns and what they're doing up there in Ohio. I mean, it is just absolutely crazy what they are doing right now in the offseason. I mean, they've brought in Tyrod Taylor. They've brought in Jarvis Landry. I mean, they're building right now. They, they are looking good, and they never gave up a single draft pick in the first round. They have two right now in the top five for this year's upcoming draft, and they didn't give up a single draft pick, not a single one. So it's going to be interesting to see what they're doing right now. I mean, again, and they did lose one of their starting tackles, and Joe Thomas, who after 11 years of being in Cleveland his entire career, he retired, and hats off to him on an amazing career. He was always one of the best left tackles in the game, if not the best for most of his career, competing with guys like Tyron Smith and Trent Williams. But... But yeah, it's 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 just interesting to see what what is uh going on with Cleveland right now cuz they went from 0 and 16 and they were just like, yeah, we're trying to rebuild and everything and then now it's like yeah, we're actually going to we're actually going to be uh, going to compete a little bit. Tyrod Taylor is a very good quarterback and with guys with a receiving core like Jarvis Landry, Josh Gordon, and Corey Coleman, they're going to be really good. I think the Browns go with Barkley first in the draft this year to go alongside Carlos Hyde in that backfield with Tyrod and then use that fourth pick to either go with a DB, like a high-talented DB like Minka Fitzpatrick from Alabama, or they're going to go D-line and maybe go Chubb if he's still there at four and give uh, Miles Garrett somebody on the other side of that line to really cause havoc for the Browns next year. I'm going to make a bold prediction right now, and I'm going to say the Browns win seven to eight games next season. And I know people are going to be like, dude, it's still the Browns. It's still Hugh Jackson and everything. But somebody out here other than Browns fans have to have faith in them. And I'm going to be one of those people. I'm going to say that the Browns win seven to eight games next year just because they now have the pieces to win. They, I mean, Tyrod Taylor played great. He had great moments on the Bills, who, other than Sammy Watkins, who was never there half the time, and LaShawn McCoy, who he could get in Saquon Barkley. Like, who did he really have over there in Buffalo? So, if he has somebody, if he has three receivers that are great, well, two good, two great receivers, and then somebody who was a high draft pick and Coleman. And then Saquon Barkley out the backfield with a good offensive line protecting him because the Browns already had a really good run game. I say they win eight games and they're they're building around they have a lot of good draft they have a lot of good players on their defensive side of the ball. So I say I say the Browns win seven to eight games next year. Another thing on our starting five is we have March Madness starting. Of course, everyone loves March Madness. I know I do. I'm one of those people who makes so many brackets, it's ridiculous, because I like to make one for every single outcome. I like to make one that there's no upsets at all, that never happens, but you never know. Like, strictly by the book, every high seed wins, that's it. Then it comes down to the battle of ones. One seeds, uh, I pick one where we have some crazy upsets. I pick one where my favorite team wins, which usually is VCU. This year it's Virginia Tech. Goes all the way and wins it. And I have some that are just my more realistic versions of what I think might happen. But I'm going to stick with the, another Virginia team, and I really think that UVA is going to win it this year, even though they lost their six man ACC six-man of the year. And I still think they win it this year. And another topic we have in our starting five is the bold statement made by Dallas Keuchel of the Astros. And he said, straight up, we're not the Cubs 
We're not going to choke. We're better than we were last year, and we won it all last year. So watch out. We're going to be back in it again, and we're going we're gonna to double up pretty much. And that's, a, like, that's just a really bold statement because the MLB went through a stretch where no teams that won it even made it back. Last year, the Cubs did make it back but didn't go anywhere. And then this year, we have to see what the Astros do, but they really didn't lose anybody, and they added Garrett Cole to their starting rotation. So it's like they actually did get a lot better <laughs> from what they were last year. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Next thing up, we have Richard Sherman to the 49ers. He did get released earlier this week or late last week. And so he'll be on the 49ers now. And all I can think about is that game where, uh, the NFC championship game, him and Michael Crabtree in the end zone, he's going on the Seahawks going against the 49ers. And then afterwards, he goes up to Aaron Andrews and like, you're going to put a sorry receiver like Crabtree up against me. I'm the best in the league and everything. And it's just so funny because he goes off about the 49ers there and had some of his best games against the 49ers as they were division rivals. And now he's on that team and he'll be there for another three years and probably in his career there if he doesn't do like maybe a one-day contract with the Seahawks to retire a Seahawk. But Sherman to the 49ers makes them a, a big contender for next year. And last one on the starting five is Ovechkin of the Caps, not just his 600th goal. Congratulations to him. That's a big thing. I know, I, I mean, I'm not a humongous hockey fan, but 600 goals sounds unreal. And I know he's still a long ways away from Wayne Gretzky's record of over 800, but still 600 is nothing to nothing to hang your head about at all. If anything, it's something to brag about for the rest of your life. So major congrats to him. And that's going to do it for our starting five. And we'll be back right after this on Down to the Wire. Welcome back to Down to the Wire, and like it said, we are in the huddle. Lots of football news to talk about. Four o'clock today is when the free agency actually opened up and began, and first thing that was finalized was the Alex Smith trade. So he is in Washington. Big trade right there for the Skins, and, I mean, you follow that up with Kirk Cousins to Minnesota, and then Minnesota's onset of quarterbacks is going every which direction. Bradford's going to Arizona. Teddy Bridgewater's going to New York to the Jets. And then Case Keenum is going to Denver to the Broncos. I mean, quarterbacks are going everywhere. And then you have that one guy, Drew Brees. He's staying at home. And so, I mean, the offseason has already begun and players are going everywhere. I mean, Muhammad Wilkerson of the Jets, he's off to a new team, completely changing up everything. Ndamukong Sue just got released. Tyron Matthew got released. Jordy Nelson got released. Some big names right there that aren't even on the teams that they've played for. I mean, the one that surprised me the most was Tyron Matthew. I mean, he's he's young. He just got drafted a couple years ago in 2013. So... I don't even know why he was released, but he's gone now. He's not on the same team anymore. And, I mean, people are going everywhere. Anthony Hitchens of the Cowboys is going to Kansas City. Sammy Watkins is going to Kansas City as well. And then you look at what the Rams have done. They traded for Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib. Like, the offseason so far is crazy. And we talked about the Browns and what they did earlier. And, I, I mean, it is just unreal about what's going on right now. And another big thing right now is Allen Robinson. He's on his way to the Bears. And the Bears actually are giving Trubisky some weapons now. So the Bears with Jordan Howard, Allen Robinson, the Bears might actually be able to compete a little bit in the NFC. And, I mean, Jimmy Graham to the Packers. The Packers are still going to be a weaker team, in my opinion, because – 
they pretty much just like they haven't really went out and got anybody except for Jimmy Graham, who's at the end of his career had very, I mean, he had decent numbers in Seattle, but he was not the New Orleans Jimmy Graham that we were used to. And it just seems like it seems like they never really went out to do anything. And then you have Minnesota who went out and got they went out and got uh, Kirk Cousins, who is pretty much just a better version of Case Keenum. And they're going to be just as good, if not better, than last year. I think they're going to be better than last year. And then you have the Bears going out and getting players that are going to that are making them better, like Robinson. And then you have the Lions, who are just kind of staying put, but they're always that team that wins nine to ten games and is battling for a playoff spot. Other than releasing their starting tight end, Eric Ebron, which is crazy as well. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Another big thing is the Dolphins are kind of shifting it up. Of course, they dished out Jarvis Landry, but they signed Danny Amendola to, I guess, kind of replace him. But he's more of a slot receiver. He's not really a wideout. So it's it seems like he gets more of his success as a slot. But he can play both. And it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And... It'll be interesting to see as well because they just released Nadamakan Sue to free up some cap space. And maybe they're going after somebody that we don't know about. Maybe they'll bring in, be surprising, and bring in Jordy Nelson as that wide out to really solidify their receiving core as well with Tannehill coming back, who has proven that he can really get it done as the QB in Miami. And it, it'll be interesting to see. And then. You have the Saints, they're making big moves right now and really solidifying their defense with Drew Brees staying for two more years. They'll be racking up some wins and really be in the in the driver's seat. But right now we've had a crazy offseason, and it has only just begun. There's still a lot of big names out there that we don't know who's going where. Earl Thomas is still being talked about being traded somewhere for the right price. I mean, there, there's Ndamukong Sue, Tyron Matthew, Jordy Nelson. Those are just four names right there that are still on the board. And we still haven't even gotten to the draft yet. So a lot to talk about. Keep up with it. I'm going to try my best to tweet as much as I can throughout this crazy offseason for the NFL. So follow the Down to the Wire Twitter page and try to just conversate, keep up with any updates I can give you, anything like that, because I am just as shell-shocked as all of you are listening to this. But, yeah, crazy offseason right now for football, and it makes me even more excited for next year. I mean, the, I mean, and talking about next year, we still have the – I didn't even mention the Super Bowl champs, the Eagles. They're, they got Michael Bennett added to their defense, so their defense just got even better than what it was before. He is old, and he's getting to the point where he's washed up, but he's not there yet. He's still producing good quality games, game in and game out. And he's just adding to that defensive line. Him and Fletcher Cox, they're going to be a nasty duo to mess with next year. But it's going to be interesting to see how this offseason plays out between all these offseason requirements, free agents, trades, different things like that, plus all the draft. And, I mean, everyone is dishing out draft picks right now. So I can't imagine what's going to happen on draft day. But it's going to be something I really look forward to along with next season. But when we get back, we're going to get into some basketball on Fast Break here on Down to the Wire. Fast break. And welcome back to Down to the Wire. Here we go, fast break. A lot of things to talk about really going on in the NBA. Well, not a lot of things. I mean, we're getting towards the end of the season. We have about 10 games left, maybe a little less. And, I mean, the biggest thing right now is we're just looking at our playoff contenders. And it seems like, I mean, two of our both of our number one seeds and two of our stronger teams in the league, the Celtics and the Warriors, are both being bit by the injury bug right now. Celtics more than the Warriors. The Celtics have seven players out right now. Seven 
key players out. Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Jason Tatum is out, Daniel Tice is out, Marcus Smart is out. I mean, there are so many. I believe that's it. It may be six. But those six players are all key players, all get over 20 minutes a game, except for Tice, who gets about, like, 10 to 15. And they're all out. And Tice, he's out for the rest of the season. as a He has a torn meniscus. The rest of the guys have some injuries that Marcus Smart torn ligament in his thumb. He might be out for a little bit longer. But, I mean... A lot of these guys are only going to be out for a little bit of time, but if I'm if I'm Boston, I'm just resting him right now because we're only like two to three weeks away from playoffs. And if you go in and you have six of your key players not available, you're losing in the first round. I don't care if you're playing Brooklyn. I don't care if you're playing the Warriors. You're losing in the first round. And the Warriors right now, I mean, they <laughs> they're getting hit hard right now, and it's it's just so crazy to see that everyone is like the Warriors are starting to come back down to reality. The last two see the last two times they went to the championship and won it in 2015 and 2017, they lost a total combined 15 games, entire season. This year. They have lost 16 games already. And Steph Curry, who has been he's been battling a real bad ankle injury lately, has been coming out and producing good numbers, but it just seems like he's not 100% yet and nobody really knows how serious it is except for him and the trainers. Um and then Klay Thompson just had just recently got a broken thumb, so who knows how long he'll be out. And they've already gotten 16 losses, and it just seems like they are kind of, I wouldn't say peaking, because they're all young and they're all great players. So they have plenty of time left. But for this season, they're starting to roll downhill a little bit at the wrong time because they're just they're, they're getting hurt now when they, it's playoffs. It's almost playoff season. But I'm sure that the I mean, they still have Kevin Durant, who's going to be Kevin Durant. And they still have a lot of guys there that are going to produce enough. Steph Curry, he'll probably be healthy by the playoffs. Who knows how long Clay will be out if he goes out. So we'll see what happens. I still think my, my – I mean, this just helps my case more. The Rockets are my favorites to come out of the West in the playoffs. Next up, we have Kawhi Leonard was supposedly out for the whole season. Now he says he might be back. He's changed his mind Every he's been game time decisions and changed his mind the last couple of games, but he's supposed to be back sooner than later. And as of right now, the Spurs need him to come back sooner rather than later, unless they want their record of most consecutive playoff appearances to end, as they are right now a ten seed and they are projected to not make the playoffs. So if I'm Pop and I really want to keep that streak alive, I and he's supposedly a hundred percent and ready to come back. It's just more mental, I think. He kind of has a case of the yips right now, and he's afraid to come back because he's afraid he's going to get hurt. But, yeah, if I'm Pop, I'm getting the, I'm getting him to come back soon because we need to make a push for the playoffs in our last 10 games here. We need to get down to business, and we need to go on like a – we need to win like seven out of the last 10, and hopefully the Jazz or the Nuggets can lose some of those games as well. And my last thing for a fast break is the Raptors. Man, I hate saying it, but they're for real. They are some bad guys on that team. DeMar DeRozan is playing like like the all-star we all know he is. And usually at this point in the year, they're starting to be – they're starting to still be a good team, but they're starting to lose a couple of more than than they normally were. But right now they are just not – they're on a nine-game winning streak. They gave up 24 points and seven threes to D'Angelo Russell the other night to the Nets and still won by eight. They gave up like 30 points in the first quarter and still won by eight. So, I mean, they're just they're some bad guys. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. They all have playoff experience. They've all been there before. Serge Ibaka's been to the finals with the Thunder. So they've all been there before. There's no lack of experience going into the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when they do meet 
the Celtics and the Cavs and the Wizards and all those other top teams in the East once we get into April. But that's going to do it for this week's uh, segment of Fast Break. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit of baseball on Mound Visit down he- here on Down to the Wire. Cause baby, I love And welcome back. And not much to talk about in baseball as we have gotten our way into spring training. We're getting closer to the end of that. We're about 20 days away from opening day. An exciting day. I love it. Can't wait for it. I want to say personally, I am excited about where the Braves are. I know they're in the rebuilding stage. I am a huge Braves fan. So I know they've been in the rebuilding years right now. But looking at all these prospects and how great they did in spring training, it's it's really showing me like this the the weight is going to pay off, and I think in a couple more years it's really going to be, the Braves are going to be back to the way they were when Bobby Cox was there. I think Snitger is the guy that we got right now, and I think he's going to do a great job with the young guys we have, especially with Washington and the other guys they have in the coaching staff. So. That's my personal note in this segment. Braves are going to be on the up and coming, if not this year. Well, they'll, they'll be decent this year. Next year they'll be really good, and so on and so forth and into the future. Uh, first big news we have is Arietta, the last really big name that was left. There was a couple other guys that were just solid role players, but the last big name that was left on the board has finally come off. He signs three years, $75 million to the Phillies. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna, the Braves are going to have to see him numerous times throughout the year because they're division rivals. And so that sucks. We're going to have to see a very good pitcher. But, I mean, we have to see the Nats every year, and they have solid pitchers, like one through four, so... It's not like it's it's just one more that we're gonna have to see throughout the year, and so it's not that it's just Arietta kind of lost there. He went to a team that really doesn't have anybody for the future, like they really don't have much to look forward to, and so he's gonna spend three years of his career there, and yeah, he's getting paid, and finally somebody gave him money he deserves, but like. He's already been here for a while. He's a pretty he's an older guy, so like he didn't go to a contender to end his career or push towards the end of his career. He kind of went to a a team that has no future even with him there. So it's it's kind of a loss for him. It's a win for Philly. Yeah, it's a win for Philly. I mean, they they got a guy, they got their ace now. And so it's a win in there. It's a win for them, but it's not a win for Arietta. I know the holdout was for him to get the money he deserves and everything, and the Cubs were kind of like, okay, we're going to go away from you. Went and got you, Darvish. But I just, I still don't think it's a big, I think it's a good choice for him. But Arietta to the Phillies, and he could probably win 10, game, 10, 12 games there, maybe 15, and they'll have 15 wins <laughs> at least from him this season. And next news we have is Mustakas. Mike Mustakas stays in Kansas City. I kind of saw this one coming. He want he reject. I think it's it's just so dumb on these players' part. Like, yeah, you're holding out to get the money you deserve or you think you deserve, but this guy rejected a one year seventeen million dollar offer just to accept a one year eight eight million dollar offer. So it's like you can't win for losing. Like. <laughs> Dude, it, you just might as well have taken the offer. It, I get you wanted to go out and test the free agency and everything, but $17 million is so much money. Like, come on, guys. Like, I get it. Y'all want to be paid the big bucks and everything, but you're playing the game because you want to play the game, not because you want to make money. It just shows right here that you you were being so selfish and you lost $9 million. That's on you. That's your fault. And, I mean... I'm not knocking the guy. He's a great third baseman. He's a good ball player, but 
I mean, he got what he deserved, in my opinion. He got he wanted to be selfish, and a lot of players are doing it nowadays. And yeah, I'm not in their shoes and everything like that, but they're playing the game. They're playing baseball because they they're supposed to be playing baseball because they love it, not because they are good enough to make a bunch of money. They're supposed to be playing it because they love it. So he should have just if he was going to get eight million, he probably could have gotten eight million from a team that he would have loved to play for. But instead. He didn't want to do it, so he just settled for $8 million from a team he was familiar with. I mean, it was his decision. He's going he's gonna to stay in Kansas City, but, I mean, I don't know. It, they lost a lot of key players this year, so they're going to kind of fall back to where they were before they made that huge run a couple years ago. And lastly, it's Jonathan Lucroy, who was also the next name that was still on the list. He's headed to Oakland. Oakland's going to be surprisingly good this year. That's going to be another prediction that I have. They're going to be surprisingly good. They have a lot of good young players. Chris Davis is still there. Lucroy is just a good, older, veteran catcher that every team needs. He's going to be that guy for them. He's going to produce consistent numbers. They're not going to be flashy numbers or great numbers, but they're going to be consistent all year. And they're not going to be in the playoffs, but they're going to be. They're not going to be a complete crap team this year. They're going to be solid throughout the season. They're going to have their good moments and their bads. But Oakland's going to be Oakland, and they're going to be a scrappy good team throughout the entire season. But that's going to end our Mound Visit segment of today's show. When we get back, got that special guest coming in to join me, Ben Malikoff, and we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to finish the show. We're going to just kind of stay on the show. We're going to have one break, but we're going to do some bracket. We're going to fill out our brackets together, and that's going to be our one-on-one segment for this week. So stay tuned right after this on Down to the Wire. Somewhere over the dunes of love. one-on-one and welcome back to down to the wire joining me today on the show is ben malikoff he's a sports broadcaster here at wvcw ben thanks for joining me today glad to be here parker all right so for this week's edition of one-on-one we're going to kind of mesh everything together we're going to put one-on-one on the bubble uh, student section rapid fire we're going to put it all together in one big segment because we have such a big thing going on in the March Madness bracket and what we're going to do is for this first part of it we're going to pretty much break it down and we're going to get all the way down to the final four and then we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to give our final four and national championship predictions. I'm eager to hear who you have going to the final four and uh, who you have winning. Yeah, It's going to be fun and so we're going to get into the South bracket first. All right, so first matchup here we have Virginia versus UMBC Got to go with UVA here. Definitely have to go with UVA. That one, I mean, that one's kind of easy. All the one seeds are kind of easy right here. They're completely undefeated. Next up, we have Creighton, Kansas State. Eight nine matchups are always fun because they're just seated so closely together and they're so evenly matched. I'm gonna go Creighton here. I think I'm gonna have to go with uh, Kansas State. I've I've done brackets with um, both teams winning, but more recently, I've just been more convinced with uh, Kansas State's play. All right, next up we have Kentucky-Davidson. This is my big upset of the South Bracket. Davidson knocks off Kentucky. As Davidson, we saw them play in D.C. They are hot right now. They're shooting the ball like crazy. And Kentucky is looking solid, but I just think that Davidson Davidson has it going right now. And Davidson plays really well against top 25 teams. I think Davidson wins this one. I want to be able to say Davidson. I really do for the sake of the A-10 but just looking at their non-conference play at the beginning of the year, I just can't. I know that they're beginning hot late in the season, but it's Kentucky. Like We have to look at their play, their athleticism, and just everything that surrounds that team. So I have to go with Kentucky. All right, next up, Arizona-Buffalo. This is actually going to be a really good matchup. It's one of the key ones that people have, always, people have talked about in brackets. i got to go with Arizona, though. They just look too good right now, and Aiton looks like he's the top draft pick for a reason. Yeah, I have to agree. I'm going to go with Arizona's here as well. All right, next up we have Miami versus Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago knocks off Miami. 
Really? And the, the, the reason they already opened as a one-point favorite, the biggest part of this upset is the difference in seeding. Miami is not strong. They, they have not been strong. They've had their moments where they're good and they're bad. And right now I think Loyola catches them off guard and wins this game. You know, I don't know a lot about Loyola Chicago, but talking about the seeding, I think I'm going to have to go with them with the upset. It, it didn't seem like something so reasonable coming in when the brackets first got released, but looking at the matchup now, I, I can agree with you. Tennessee Wright State. Tennessee, tough team out of the SEC. I'm going to go with Tennessee here. Going to have to go with Tennessee as well. Next up, we have Nevada, Texas. I'm going to go with those Shaka, those Shaka-led Longhorns here, and they're going to knock off Nevada. Texas wins. I agree. Mo Bamba, I mean, he's top five in the draft. He's going to prove himself in March Madness. All right, Cincinnati, Georgia State, 2 versus 15. I got Cincy winning this one, and being the first to, not being the first two seed to be knocked off the board. Yeah, Cincinnati looks like the obvious choice here. I just can't see Georgia State making it past this round. All right, we're going to go back up. UVA, Creighton. UVA, I mean, they lost their sixth man, but I don't see UVA losing to Creighton. Oh, you, oh we're going back up. Okay, UVA, I think, yeah, UVA is going to go far. Yeah, and then we have Davidson, Arizona. This is where I see Davidson's luck running out as Arizona is an amazing team. Well, for me, we changed it up. So I have Kentucky, Arizona. So you have a bit of a better matchup there. Yeah, and that's going to be a tough one. And just the way I've seen Arizona play in that last game, that championship game, I think I'm going to have to go with Arizona. All right, Loyola, Chicago versus Tennessee. And I've seen a lot of magic come out of 11 seeds, and I'm going to see it again here. I mean, last year, Xavier went to the Elite Eight, and I think Loyola wins this one as well. You know, that is a completely established program like like Xavier. I think I'm going to have to go with Tennessee. Tennessee is really playing well right now. All right, we have Texas-Cincinnati. This one's this one's where it gets me. It's like, uh, what's what's gonna happen? I think Cincinnati pulls this one off just because of the guard play they have. They're really good at the at the backcourt, and after Texas losing one of their star guards to cancer this year, which is a sad story, they just their guard play isn't as great as it once was, and so I think Cincinnati gets it. Yeah, I am gonna have to agree with you on Cincinnati. Texas hasn't been playing to the level that they were exposed to all year, and. I do have them going out of the first round, but I don't see them going too far. All right. UVA, Arizona. I'm going with UVA. Yep. UVA all the way to the lead eight. I agree. All right. Loyola, Chicago for me. Loyola, Chicago, Cincinnati. I'm going to stay with that Loyola magic. I think they catch fire here, and they're like the, they're this year's VCU or Florida Gulf Coast or Xavier. I think they I think they make it to the Elite Eight. For me, it's ten, Tennessee and Cincinnati, and I'm going to have to go with Cincinnati. Uh, I think that Cincinnati is playing a lot better than Tennessee right now, and I think they're predict, predicted to go much further. So, All right, so for the south bracket here, UVA, I got UVA, and for the Elite Eight, I got UVA and Loyola Chi-Town. This is where Loyola's magic comes to an end. UVA comes out representing the bracket, the south side of the bracket in the Final Four. And for me, UVA beats Cincinnati. I don't think that's going to be much of a challenge, or it'll be a close game, but I think UVA will manage it. All right, next up we have Xavier and the play-in game here. Just going to go with Xavier already. Again, no 16 seed wins that matchup. Missouri-Florida State. I'm going with Missouri. Michael Porter Jr., Playing great right now. Coming, I mean, he he's been he played he's been playing solid since he comes back from that injury. I think he comes out and he leads this team to a very good uh, playoff run. Now that he has his chance to shine, I agree. I think he's going to be the X factor. What's going to put them over Florida State? What, it's the the difference between the eight and the nine seed. And Michael Porter is going to make it happen for Missouri. All right, Ohio State, South Dakota State. Mm. I'm going to go with Ohio State here. I'm going to stick with the high seed. Ohio State looks really good right now, and they're playing well. Uh, Gonzaga, UNC Green. 
I got Gonzaga. They're they're still a top team in this tournament. Yeah, Gonzaga's always been a team that's been able to prove themselves, and I don't think UNC Greensboro is going to be a problem for them at all. Houston, San Diego State. I'm going to go with that 11 seed magic again. San Diego State is playing very well right now, and I think they knock off Houston. I can see it because Houston has also been playing. They've played some very great teams, some really great games this year. I think that they won't really have any trouble getting around San Diego State. All right, next up we have Michigan-Montana. I think the Wolverines get that one done. Texas A&M and Providence. I, I got to go with Providence. They looked really good in the Big East tournament. I mean, really good. I think Providence wins that one. Yeah, Providence has been catching fire lately. I, I think I'm going to have to agree with you and take the upset. And then UNC Lipscomb. I got UNC winning that one. No doubt. Easy money right there. It's obvious. All right, Xavier, Missouri. Right here is where I have the first one seed falling off. Xavier loses to Missouri. Michael Porter Jr. plays great. I think Michael Porter Jr. won't be enough to push them over the one seed. I said it with the nine and the eight seed. It's what's the difference. But to a one seed, I think Xavier just has more talent and is going to be able to bring them to the Sweet 16. All right. We have Gonzaga, Ohio State. I'm going to stick with Gonzaga. Yep, Gonzaga's going to go to the Sweet 16. San Diego, Michigan. I'm going to go with the Wolverines here. Well, for me, it's Houston and Michigan, and that's going to be a tough choice, but I'm going to go with Michigan. They're the three seed. I think that they've um, had a very great season, just a tad bit better than Houston's, and I think they're going to pull it off. We have Providence. I have Well, we both do. Providence, UNC. That one's tough. That one's really tough because Providence played well against two great Big East teams and Nova and Xavier. UNC's played great in a strong ACC this year, but I think UNC comes out on top there. I think it's really key to remember that UNC was still in that contention for that one seed all the way up until their championship game. So I think UNC is going to be able to pull it off. All right, and then we got Michigan-UNC. Still say UNC stays it goes to the Elite Eight there. And then we have Missouri-Gonzaga. and Well, I do. And I think right that's what ends it for Missouri is they meet the Bulldogs from Gonzaga there. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think Gonzaga is going to go to the Final Four. All right, so you have Gonzaga going to the Final Four? Oh, sorry, to the Elite Eight. Sorry, over to Xavier. All right, so we have Gonzaga-UNC. I have UNC winning that and have a rematch of the ACC championship game in the Final Four between UVA and UNC. I have Michigan and UNC, and I think it will be – I think I'm going to go with the upset here. I think I'm going to go Michigan beats UNC. Oh, to reach the to reach the Final Four? Michigan in the Final Four? No, to go to the Elite Eight here. Oh, so you're – okay, yeah. Yeah. So you got Michigan-Gonzaga. Who goes to the Final Four for you out of the West? It's going to be tough. Um, I think Michigan is going to be able to pull it off over Gonzaga just because of what I've seen from uh, their season and the talent they have. I don't think Gonzaga is as good as they were last year, so I think Michigan is going to be able to uh, go to the Final Four. All right, so we're going to finish up. What we're going to do is we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to finish this half of the bracket here. UVA, UNC for me. I still say UVA goes to the national championship this year. What do you got over there, Ben? On the south side, oh UVA. For your for your fight for your this side final four matchup, UVA versus Michigan. Who do you got? I have UVA. UVA has been a solid team all year, competing for that one spot with Villanova, finally overtaking it. UVA has just been a great team with Tony Bennett. I, I think it's no doubt in my mind they're going to that championship game. All right, well, we gave you our first half of the bracket. When we get back after this quick song break, we're going to do the East and Midwest side, and then we're going to pick our national championship and pick a score, and then we're going to wrap up the show. So we'll be back right after this on Down to the Wire. And welcome back to Down to the Wire here. So we're going to get into our East bracket. 
Up top, we have Nova versus Radford. I got Nova winning that one easy. Yep, easily. All right, next up we have Virginia Tech-Alabama, another great 8-9 matchup. I just think right now Virginia Tech's offense, Colin Sexton is playing great for Bama, but Virginia Tech's offense is too good. And I have Virginia Tech beating Alabama first round. Yeah, I said it was going to be Alabama. And I think Alabama has just been playing pretty well for themselves to get into the tournament, and I think that they're going to be able to overpower. I know that Virginia Tech beat UVA at the um, midway And UNC and Duke. And UNC and Duke. But that was those were a few bits and pieces of their game. I don't think that defines their whole season. I think Alabama is the better team in the situation. All right, West Virginia, Murray State. I got WVU coming out on top there. Yep, West Virginia. Wichita State versus Marshall. Uh, we are not Marshall in this one. Wichita State wins it. <laughs> yep, Wichita State. I got Bonaventure versus Florida. I got St. Bonaventure coming out there as Florida has been struggling all year. St. Bonaventure has caught fire here lately. Matt Mobley, we saw him be completely unconscious in from downtown in D.C., so I got Bonaventure winning that one. A lot of underrated weapons for St. Bonaventure. Like you said, Jalen Adams, he's probably going in the NBA draft this upcoming year. I got St. Bonaventure winning as well. Texas Tech versus SF Austin. I got Texas Tech winning that one. Texas Tech. I got Arkansas versus Butler. I got Butler winning that one. Tennessee knocking off a seven there. Butler looks good. They they have a lot of good experience in the playoffs and what to, and they know what to do in March. I have Arkansas winning that one. I think the higher seed advantage is going to go through. Uh, I think Arkansas season has has just been really fantastic. I think that the higher seed gives them the advantage in the situation. I don't think it's going to be an upset. And then Purdue versus Cal State Fullerton. Of course, I, the Boilermakers win that one. And then let's go. We have stay with that one. Butler, for me, Butler versus Purdue. I think Butler stays hot, and they knock off the they knock off Purdue and win that game to advance to the Sweet 16. I got Purdue winning that game over Arkansas. And they will go to the Sweet 16 to play Texas Tech. And then we have Texas Tech versus St. Bonaventure. I have Texas Tech winning that one to advance to the Sweet 16. And you said you had Texas Tech as well. Virginia, uh, West Virginia versus Wichita. I have West Virginia advancing in that one. Yep, West Virginia. Obviously a very solid season. I think that they'll beat Wichita. No trouble. Villanova beats Virginia Tech to get to the Sweet 16 for me. For me, Nova beats Alabama easily, and they'll go to Sweet 16 to play West Virginia. All right, so West Virginia, Nova. I have West Virginia winning that one. You have West Virginia beating Villanova? Yes. Really? Yes. You don't have Villanova even making it to the Elite Eight? I think they, I think they get knocked off in the Sweet 16. I think that West Virginia has had a solid season, but I don't think that they'll be able to take on Villanova's talent. I mean... Yeah, Villanova is very talented. I just think that they get shocked early because they go in overconfident. I have Villanova advancing on to the Elite Eight. And so in the Elite Eight, I have and then I have Texas Tech beating Butler in the Sweet 16. So it's West Virginia, Texas Tech, and the Elite Eight for me. Wow, that's, that's quite an upset so far. I, uh, I have Nova and Texas Tech in the East Elite Eight. And I have West Virginia winning that one and making it to the Final Four. Well, I have Villanova winning that one and making it to the Final Four. Yeah, the Mountaineers, they looked really good. I mean, they did lose to Kansas in the conference championship, but they looked really good. And I think that the, I think that the Mountaineers are, are for real this year. I think they're going to they, – they're, they're, they're kind of hot right now, so I think they're going to get it done. And then we're going to go to the Midwest. Kansas versus Penn. Kansas, the Jayhawks win that one easy. Agreed. Uh, we got the 8-9, Seton Hall versus NC State. I got Seton Hall winning that one. I got NC State beating Seton Hall. I've seen some weaker games from Seton Hall, including losing to Georgetown, I believe. So I think NC State will take advantage. All right, we got Clemson versus New Mexico State. I got another upset here. I got New Mexico State beating Clemson, knocking out the Tigers early. That's hard for me. I've seen a lot uh, a lot of things from Clemson this year, a lot of which I would have liked, so I have Clemson beating New Mexico State. It's just New Mexico State, 28 wins this season. They've looked solid all year, and yeah, they come from a smaller conference, but they just, they, they're they really high up on the RPI. I think they're like 22nd on the RPI, wow. so they, they're really strong. I believe that they, they'll get it done. 
But we have Auburn versus Charleston. I have Auburn winning that one. And it, it kind of hurts to say that one because uh, Samir Dowdy, transfer from VCU, is on Auburn this year, and he's seeing a lot of success there. But I got them I got them winning that one, and I actually have them making it to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I have um, Auburn winning as well. But I – and, uh, yeah, I have them going to the Sweet 16. All right, we have Texas. We have Texas Christian University versus Michigan State. Well, I have well, I have Texas Christian winning the play against the playing teams, and then Michigan State beating Bucknell to advance to the second round. Where's that on here? The first round: Texas Christian versus either Arizona oh, okay. State or Syracuse. I have, yeah. I have TCU. I have yeah, TCU, TCU beating the plan. Yep. And Michigan State beating Bucknell, no problem. Yep, agreed. Michigan State. And then Rhode Island versus Oklahoma. That's going to be fun to watch because Rhode Island is a very good defensive team and they're going to have to play Trey Young. But I think that the Rams get it done and they make it to the second round. Yeah, Oklahoma was one of those teams that people did not think that they should be in this position that they are now or at least in a playoff in a play-in game. Uh, and URI obviously also had kind of a weaker end to their season, not being able to finish out in the A-10 tournament. But I think URI has had more has had more success in their season to be able to, and they'll get it done versus Oklahoma. Yeah, I think that what helps them the most is they had that like a lot of their players now got a lot of good March experience last yeah. year and they when they made a deep run last year to I believe the Sweet 16. They have a lot of veteran experience in their lineup four seniors uh starting for them. So I think that's going to pay off a lot against uh Trey Young. Yeah, and then we have Duke versus Iona. Of course, the Blue Devils win that one easy there. Uh, all right, so let's go Rhode Island-Duke. I am going to shock you again, and I think that the Blue Devils lose. Really? I think Marvin Bagley does his thing. He has a great game, but Rhode Island, we both saw firsthand, we've all seen it, is deep. They have great guys, like seven to eight guys deep, and – they're deep in the big man position, so if you get them in foul trouble, they have plenty of guys. They're deep in the guard position, and all of their guards can shoot. I mean, we watched one guy pull up from like 40 feet at the buzzer to knock down a three, and he was a freshman. Like They have a lot of great guys on their team. I think that, I think that Rhode Island knocks off Duke in the second round. As much as I want to see that, I don't think that will happen just because – of how URI's end of their season played out. Obviously, like we said earlier, we, we said that URI is going to be able to catch some heat and be able to beat Oklahoma, but I don't think that they can do that versus a much, much better team like Duke. URI uh, could not finish it off in the A-10 tournament. I don't think that they can finish it off in the second round versus Duke. All right, we have Michigan State versus TCU. I got Michigan State moving forward there. Um... Who do you got? You got Michigan State? I have – I don't know why I put TCU. I meant to write Michigan State there. Yeah, I have Michigan State beating TCU. All right, we got New Mexico – I have New Mexico State versus Auburn. I have Auburn winning that one to advance to the Sweet 16. Uh, For me, I have – I have – oh, yeah, I have Auburn as well. I have Auburn. And then we have Kansas versus Seton Hall. I have the Jayhawks moving forward there as well. For me, it's Kansas versus NC State, and I have Kansas. All right, Sweet 16 here in the Midwest bracket. Kansas versus Auburn. Jayhawks continue to move forward, make it to the Elite Eight. I agree 100%. All right, next up we have Michigan State. I have Michigan State, Rhode Island, and Michigan State wins that one. Rhode Island gets knocked out, and Michigan State advances to the Elite Eight. I have Michigan State versus Duke, and I have Duke being able to over past Michigan State. All right, so my Elite Eight here is Kansas-Michigan State, the one versus three, and I have Michigan State winning that game and knocking off the Jayhawks to advance to the Final Four. My Elite Eight is Kansas versus Duke and uh, Nova versus Texas Tech. Uh, I have, like we said earlier, Nova, and then um, I have Kansas beating Duke. All right, so... For my Final Four, I have West Virginia versus Michigan State. I have Michigan State winning that and advancing to the national championship game. Uh, the East versus the Midwest, I have Nova beating 
Kansas advancing to the championship game. So you have a one-versus-one matchup. Yes. Nova versus UVA. Yes. All right. So I have UVA versus Michigan State. My national champion this year is the UVA Cavaliers, 67-63. Ben, what do you got? Well, I think UVA will beat Villanova. And the reason it's that one-on-one matchup, first of all, is because of how close these two teams have been competing with each other all year long. They've been kind of going back and forth, UVA knocking on their doorstep for that one spot and finally overcoming it. I think that it's going to be a great matchup of some really great uh, young talent. And I have UVA winning the championship game. It's going to be a low-scoring game, in my opinion, because of how good UVA's defense is well, holding all their opponents under 70 points this year. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I went with 63, 67-63, and it would be closer, except free throws at the end kind of spreads it a little bit. But I don't see them giving up 70 to anybody. Michigan State averages just under 80 points a game, but I don't see them even getting 70 against UVA. I see UVA winning that game 63-62. to 62. Two. Oh, one-point game. One-point game. Uh, that's going to be a close matchup, and it's going to be a lot to see, but we will. I will post pictures of both of our brackets on Facebook right after the show so you can all see it and look at it after the, after the tournament ends, and you can comment and tell us how either how smart we are, how dumb we are, <laughs> and see how good we are at predicting bracket, predicting the games in the bracket for this year's March Madness. Ben, thank you for joining me on this week's show. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of Down to the Wire. Join us next. Join me next week, same time, Wednesday at five o'clock here on Down to the Wire on WVCW.org.